Welcome to Fireside with VoxGig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of VoxGig.com, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting, and attending. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And finally, before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to simplecast.com, first and last word in podcasts, who have kindly come on board as our first ever sponsor. This week, I'm speaking to Ani and Yado, aka Mr. Distinction about the importance of learning how to speak from an early age. Now, sometimes that's far more important than academic achievement. It certainly has been for me. We also speak about the usefulness of writing. Write a book and you'll be able to talk about it forever. At least write a blog post, and that is the starting point instead of PowerPoint for your next talk. So without further ado, let's hear what Ani has to say. Anya, I am delighted to have you here today on the Fireside with Box Gig podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Richard. It's an honor to be speaking to you. I'm really, really excited. Awesome. Let's start with something that I've never done. So I'm always impressed by it. And a lot of our listeners are as well. You spoke at a TEDx event and uh, you're, you know, you're recording us on YouTube and it's a really awesome, really inspirational talk. But let's start with how did you make that happen? So I was born and raised in Hackney, East London. And at the time I was living, this was about five years ago now, I was living in yeah. London, an area called Barkingside. And one Saturday evening, I remember I was watching TV and I just said, do you know, what? I feel like doing a TEDx. It just came to my mind. And then I thought, <laughs> so I just do it. <laughs> this is where the moment, I think I was watching something on BBC One, like Strictly Come Dancing or something. I don't know. It was just an early evening, a Saturday evening. I actually quite remember sitting down. For, you know, I just want to do a TEDx. So I went online began searching, searching. And I, I saw TEDx Houston. I was like, uh, as in Houston, as in North London. I was like, huh? And I realized that they do TEDx's across London. So I just searched for TEDx Hackney because that, that was where I was born and raised. And then I, I sent the gentleman, his name is Daniel. I actually remember his name, Daniel Viaz or Viaz. And I told him my story, my backstory. And he was like, wow, let's meet up. We met up again. He heard my story and he said, you know what? I want you to come and speak because you know, it's, we're doing it in Hackney and you're born and raised in Hackney. So this is just exactly what we're looking for. And then from then I've done it. And then, yeah, my TEDx is called From Detention to Distinction. I think it's really inspirational that you kind of you said, you know what, I can just do this. I'm just going to go out there and make it happen. I'm going to pitch myself. You had to have an angle though, right? So, I mean, you, you, the angle you used was the TEDx event in the area that, that you were from. Yes. Would you recommend that for someone who wants to speak at a TEDx event? Do you need some angle? Yes. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, I mean, they have TEDx women. So if you're an inspirational woman, yeah. then you can have take it that angle. Um, they've got TEDx, I think, Africa. So if you're coming from an African angle, maybe bring, bring in value in Africa or your African background. But yeah, so I think anything there's that kind of synergy towards it or you've got a great story a great backstory and and a great future you're doing great stuff yeah yeah it's all about sharing ideas you come across as being very uh, comfortable on stage <laughs> was that always the case some people learn it and for some people are kind of born that way looking back that's a good question i, I would definitely born with that in that sense i've always been yeah. a talker you know, when i was in school i got in trouble for speaking 
I'm speaking too much. And now you make money out of it. And now I make money out of it, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, that. And the only thing I was really good at school was drama, which is quite interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I love it. I can't do anything else. I love speaking. I love teaching and coaching and, you know, directing and giving inspiration and motivation. And yes. You do business coaching and, and mentoring. Does that form part of the skill set that you like to build in people who come to you? Public speaking. Oh, yes. Artists. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. How do you take someone from, I mean, let's say somebody is, is like a really competent engineer. Yes. But like a typical engineer, they are quite introverted and they're not comfortable speaking in front of people. But to move their career forward, they have to. So they come to you. What happens next? How do you take them on a journey, I guess, to, to the point where they're speaking at a thousand person conference? Yeah. I mean, funny enough, I actually run a program, How to Become a Speaker of Distinction. So that's an yeah, online program yeah. that teaches individuals how to become cutting edge speakers. But one of the first things that we, or one of the first sessions is really about who you are and your backstory, creating a message, you know, from your past, from your future and from your desired present. So I use myself as an example from detention to distinction. I've had an interest in life, my legacy, which obviously is called from detention to distinction, speaks for itself, which is my past journey where I am now and where I'm going and the impact I've made, I'm making and I want to make. So yeah, definitely it's about that backstory, that foundation, who you are, what are your core values? And then we create a message because, you know, every great quote unquote speaker has a defining message, a defining, yeah, defining brand, a defining message, a legacy, really. So kind of the bad things that happened in a way are more useful. They're more useful in some ways than the good things. Yes, yes, because sometimes I'm one of the best teachers, not the best teacher, but one of the best teachers it's our experiences. So no matter where we come from, I mean, my story, not everyone's going to go through what I've gone through, but everyone can relate with it and get inspiration. So you don't have to have a dramatic story, but we've all gone through something. Even a multimillionaire who's born in wealth has gone through something. So we, we use that as a, a form of direction, hope, and you know, inspiration. Well, and in your case, we were talking before we came on about your barber. Tell me about your barber. Uh, I love this. <laughs> Well, um, so when I've done my TEDx, I had a bald head, well, not a bald head, yeah, but a skin yeah. head, a very, very low haircut. And at that time, as an entrepreneur, as you know, going through that whole journey of an entrepreneur, it was very tough. And I remember getting evicted because I wasn't making wow. enough money. And I had to move back into my mum's house. And I remember at the time, because I didn't, wasn't making enough money, I mean, my, my haircut them times there was 10 pounds. And I remember, so I tell my brother, okay, I'll, I'll pay next week, I'll pay next week. And it came to the point, I think it was like 70, 80 pounds really eight weeks worth of haircuts and I didn't have no money. So I said, you know what? I can't be coming to this guy and just telling him I can't pay anymore. So I went to one other barber near my mum's house and it was terrible. I went to the next one and it was terrible. And it was like, oh, what's going on? So I said, you know what? I just can't be asked to cut my hair. And I was letting it grow, letting it grow, letting it grow. And next thing I knew, it grew to a size when people say, wow, only your afro looks good. Like, <laughs> you're looking younger, you're looking fresher. When I actually yeah. started looking in the mirror, forget about all the pain I was going through. I was like, okay, yeah, it actually suits me. And then from then, there was no turning back. Literally, it was grow, 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 grow your afro. I love that. It's funny, isn't it? How um, something that seems bad today, sometimes it turns out to be a blessing. Yes, yes. Okay, so if you go and um, look at you uh, speaking now on stage, it's really accomplished and it's really slick. But I have one of my favorite questions, which is, tell me about the time that you really messed up on stage. Your worst talk. That's how we learn. Yeah. Wow. My worst talk. That's a good one. I wouldn't really describe it as my, my worst talk, but I would definitely say it was one of my not so great ones. 
And it was actually one of my, I used to do monthly workshops. Yeah. And, you know, people sign up on Facebook, like 30 people sign up, I'm charging them 10 pounds. I'm like, yes, 300 pounds, I'm make, finally making money. And then two people will come, three people will come. But I remember my first, one of my first set of workshops. Wow. Uh, Richard, it was unbelievable. I was speaking, I mean, I speak pretty slow now, but it was unbelievably fast. I was just, I would say like a thousand words in five minutes. I was um, stuttering. I didn't know what, I was just, I was just so confused. And then I, went, I remember looking back at it and watching it and I was like, I had to delete off YouTube. I wish I actually kept it. <laughs> it Put it back. Cool. Put it back. <laughs> I can't find it. Right, maybe. You got to celebrate as well, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that one was really, 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 really Or is it too cringy? It's too cringy. Yeah. It was really, really bad. Could you tell you were losing the audience? Did the energy dissipate? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, 100%. You could tell I was losing the, um, the audience. I think one walked out and they were sitting at the front just to go to the toilet and they come back for like 20 minutes. Oh, like that. oh man. Like, oh, what's going on? And I realized that it just wasn't, it was, it was, it was bad. Let's dig into this, right? So you, you were giving a talk at a conference and, you know, maybe half the seats are filled. It's your first talk. You're not doing a good job. And one guy gets up and walks away. So imagine this is happening to somebody you're coaching. Yes. What do you do? How do you, how do you keep your mental focus? What do you do in that situation? What did you do when you went through this? You said it correctly. It's, it's keep your mental focus. Yeah. Because even though one person might have walked out or four people are, are saying, oh, they're disheartened and it's really bored. It could be one person that's really paying attention and really listening and taking something from you. Okay. Yeah. So you, you summed up is really keeping the focus. Yeah. You got to remember that if your content is good, even if your delivery needs work, it's definitely useful for, for some portion. You, I mean, you owe it. Even if it's five people out of 50 that are loving what you're doing or getting some value out of it, you, you owe it to those five people to see through to the end. Yes, 100%. That often happens to me sometimes. You, you give a talk and you're like, oh, I'm not happy with that. That wasn't great. But you get people afterwards who come to you and in, when they were in the audience, they were just sat there like statues. Yes. But afterwards they come to you and they say, yeah, that was really good or that's really interesting or I'm going to change what I'm doing because of something you said. And <laughs> you know, why didn't you smile at me or something while I was on stage? Yeah, very true. <laughs> very, very true. Yeah. You got to remember, I guess, that um, the audience is there for different reasons, I guess. Some guy might just be there because his boss told him he had to go and his, his boss is sitting beside him, so he has to be there. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, if you, if you propose a talk and you're giving it and people decide to come to your room and listen to your talk, I mean, that's, that's good as well, right? That's a good feeling. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. How do you promote your talks? Um, it's a combination of, I've learned the psychology of social media. Yeah. I've written a few books based around distinction, distinction. Uh, my first one's, Hitting the target, a 12-month guide to distinction. The second one's called The Doorway to Distinction. My third one's coming out early 2020. But if I was to write a book about social media, I would title it something on the lines of the psychology and distinction behind social media. Obviously, it has to have the word distinction in there. And one of the things I've learned freely and easily and yeah. you know, without any effort is the power of social media. Yeah. You kind of use the word distinction in a special way. Explain that thinking to me. My message is cutting edge distinction. My legacy is called or titled from detention to distinction. People call me Mr. Distinction. My strategy is cutting edge leadership. And as I said, I've got two books. The first one is I'm hitting a target, a 12 month guide to distinction. And the second one is the doorway to distinction. All my other books that are yet to be published, I've got the word distinction in there. It's a good idea. Yeah. In my early days as a speaker, two things I promised myself, well, one of the things I promised myself was 
I will never quote anyone, but rather I, const- I will constantly be quoted. And so I realized coming to my industry, I couldn't do what everyone else was doing and say what everyone else is saying. And so it was just a really a, a divine creative idea. And it, it, it was an initial extinction. And then, then I developed it and the brand became continental distinction, which I suppose speaks for itself in that sense. So from that, I created the, you know, for example, the three M's of time management, manage, master, maximize your time, the three C's of creative leadership, critical thinking, creative thinking and collaborative thinking, the three I's of Katia's leadership, inspirational impact and influence. So yeah, distinction is, or Katia's distinction really speaks for itself. It's, it's being unique. It's doing what no one else is doing. It's saying what no one else is saying. And it's, it's bringing what no one else is bringing. It must be really rewarding to see people that you coach. And do you coach young people as well to see someone going on that journey? And, and you can say to yourself, I built that. Oh, yes. 100%. I'm, I'm, I still think I'm young in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, you, you have to respect confidentiality of your clients and all that. But I mean, <laughs> tell us about what that's like. It must be really fantastic. And as you know, that young people, wherever they are, in, whether it's in London, Las Vegas, South Africa, or Saudi Arabia, one of the things that young people do suffer from is that lack of confidence and lack of self-belief and lack of understanding that they're a leader. So when I deliver particular student leadership programs and really coaching and training young people how to you know, locate, leverage and lead with their distinction, their leadership distinction, it's actually humbling. Some have gone on to top universities and developed their own leadership style where they're now coaching other people. You know, some of this found their confidence to understand who they are because you can be in a in high school or secondary school, and you don't know who you are. The world's going at an alarming rate and there's no identity. But when you find your distinction, your leadership distinction, you can now actually, you know, I created a free bees of, of branding, your vision, your values and your voice. And you can now bring that and bring that intentional. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a major, major store and, and testimonials of young people, you know, meeting them. You're a good example because the time that you put into drama and performing when you were younger, <laughs> that's made your career, right? So it wasn't, you know, studying Shakespeare. Well, I mean, Shakespeare is drama, maybe, but you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't traditional academic study. Yes, but I think that's such an important message because there's such pressure on kids. I see this on my own kids to perform academically when their skills might be something totally different. Yes, and it's okay. It's okay to focus on stuff that might seem. I don't know, frivolous, but you know, there's, there's a whole big world out there where all this stuff really counts. Yeah. I like speaking. I agree with you 100%. I mean, uh, we're not just entering a new year, but it's a new decade, which I call the era of creative distinction. And that speaks for itself. And as we know how the global market is now local, there's no such thing as job security in that sense. Exactly. So it's, it's so important that young people, they, they find their creative distinction and it, it could be in tech. It could be in, you know, like when I speak to young people and they say they're good at drawing, I always ask them a question. Okay, I want you to go online and find out five jobs that you can do or five careers or five businesses in the area of design of drawing. And it's shocking when they come back, they're like, wow, I could be a town planner, I could yeah. be a coder, yeah. I can be this, I can be that. And that's developing your creative distinction rather than say, okay, I need to get the best possible grades, I need to revise, and then that's it. It's not, unfortunately, that's not it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a pity because so many talented kids end up going, oh, I have to be a lawyer or a doctor. They're wonderful professions, but they're yes. very hard. They're tough professions. They're, they're a difficult path to happiness. <laughs> very much so. And I know many doctors now who have got all the qualifications and now want to become consultants because they realize that 
the satisfaction they thought they would get. They're not unfortunately getting it. And the whole school system, I find, uh, even from my own personal experiences and the seminary, because it's so focused on the academic, even if you are academic, and I was, you neglect other parts, other things that you should grow, other skills that, that are more important in life. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, um, the new decade we're entering, the era of creative distinction is, is will give, bring so much opportunities and so much possibilities, but one has to really fine-tune their vision and understand that I'm here, you know, you're here to not just to be a consumer, but rather be a producer. One of the, the nonprofits we work with, I don't know if you've heard of them, uh, is called World Speech Day. Okay. Have you heard of them at all? It's a group set up by um, a speechwriter, a guy called Simon Gibson, and they do an event every March 15th in about 100 countries around the world. It's about encouraging mostly students to get up and, and do speeches for the first time. Wow. Absolutely fantastic event. Uh, WorldSpeechDay.com. Uh, you should check it out. It's, it's okay. um, something we're, we're very happy to be involved in, but it, it kind of fits into this theme of encouraging young people to develop the skill of public speaking. Yes. One of those essential modern, modern skills and, and a way for them, for them to find a distinction, as you say. Yes. Let's talk about books. Yes. You've written two books, and that's so I, so snap. <laughs> uh, first of all, I would say the shorter, the better, because writing a book is an awful, horrible, horrible, horrible thing. You barely come out alive. He laughs. You, you, can, you understand. <laughs> but as a speaker, I found the experience of having written very useful because it forces you to organize your ideas. And, you know, quite a few famous writers like Nabokov, I think, said you have to write to think. Wow. And... It certainly got me out of a few sticky situations in talks where either my slides weren't working and I just had to wing it, uh, speak without slides. Yes. Having written the books, it embeds your ideas, right or wrong, but it embeds them inside your brain. Have you found that? And I mean, when you talk about all the ideas that you've written about, are they more naturally there, uh, easily accessible because you've written down the ideas? Yeah, very much so. Yes. I realized that my two strongest gifts are writing and speaking. So. I realized that they're, they're not just two, they're actually one and they, they're a relation of both. And, you know, when I, <laughs> I spoke at a conference just a few days back and you know, I was just flowing. I was just, cause, cause I'm not, I've, I've got so much inside of me and that and writing a book um, gives you that structure to know that, okay, you've got one, you've got something there and two, you've got something in your mind as well. So, so yeah, it's, it's a real blessing to have that. It's a useful, uh, well, I mean, as an engineer, of course, we use the word hack, right? So it's a useful hack. It's not necessary to put yourself through the pain of writing an entire book. I think, I mean, one idea would be possibly if you have to give a talk, instead of starting with PowerPoint, start with an article, write a blog post yes. outlining the ideas. I find starting with PowerPoint, that blank first slide, it doesn't tend to lead to the best talks. No. So somebody once said, I can't remember who it was, said that a book is just a 90-minute conversation. I like that. Mm. And that blew my mind. I can't remember who spoke. I think, I think it was someone called Mike Murdoch, actually. American pastor. So the book is a 90-minute conversation. When I first heard that, that blew my mind because I realized that, I mean, I can have a 90-minute conversation about leadership and that's an idea for a book. I can put that now into writing and publish a book, an e-book. You write blog posts and articles. Do you then bring them together into a book? What approach do you take to writing? Do you know what it is? Because I realized that when I first started in the personal development industry, I'm coming with a unique message that's never been heard before. So Everything was original and it was just off the cuff. So my first book, Hitting the Target, a 12-month guide to distinction, actually is a training manual. 
And so what I've done, I made acronyms out of each month and then gave a motivational, inspirational message with that. And then gave a space for the person to write and achieve their goals. Uh, my second book, Doorway to Distinction, is a combination of 200 of my original quotes and teaching on goals, on distinction, excellence, and vision. So again, it's something new. It's something that hasn't been heard before. So I just had no choice but to put it in a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, One thing I find really impressive is you have a lot of rigorous discipline around structured thinking and creating mental models for your ideas. Yes. A lot of people have knowledge where they can do things, but they, they can't explain how they do it. <laughs> it's quite special to create these models. You summed it up. I, I actually don't know. So when I, sometimes when I speak and I listen to myself, so for example, I spoke at a major conference um, a few days back, and I, mean, I was speaking about the three C's of creative leadership, the three I's of happiness leadership, the three V's of personal branding, leadership branding. And afterwards, quite a few people come up to me and say, wow, I find it so easy to remember and so easy to apply because you're talking about the three V's the three C's, the three T's, the three M's. And for me, it's just, I don't even know how I came about it. It was just that, that, you know, divinely inspired ideas. And I knew I was very intentional that when I speak, I want people not just to remember, but have something tangible to go with it. So when I see in my audience, people writing notes, three, four pages, four or five pages of my notes when I'm speaking, I realize, aha, uh, I'm saying something very practical, but so, 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 saying something very inspirational. But at the same time, very practical, very straightforward, very simple. That's awesome. You're up there speaking and you see people taking notes. That must give you so much energy. Oh, 100%. Wow. I realize I'm not just a speaker. I'm also a teacher as well, which is a, was a different ballgame altogether as well. Ani, we will finish with one last question. So I asked you the nasty question. What was your worst talk? But tell us about your best talk, the one that went really, really well. And why did it go well? Wow. I would say my last one, that was a few days back now. Okay. Where that went very, very well. How I got the gig was quite powerful in itself as well, anyway. And then I just love speaking, and the, the, the audience were, you know, were mainly managers and CEOs and um, senior management. And so it was just a nice atmosphere, it was a nice flow. And then, yeah, I really put all my all into it. But not just that, I realized the feedback I was getting was some of the best feedback I've heard in a long, long time. So for me, that has been my best talk thus far because the feedback was really good. I got invited to speak to a few other events as well. Wow. Yeah. Result. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Is it. Was it a short talk, like 20 minutes or was it an hour? It was a lightning talk. So it was a bit, it was in a conference that had other speakers, but myself yeah. and about four others. We had 12 minute slots. And to be fair, the 12 oh, minutes that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. So that 12 minutes, I really, I knew I had to, but I mean, I covered most of my things I want to speak about, of course, the, the essence of cutting leadership and then future thinking, branding and creativity. So in that 12 minutes, I'm really packing a lot of inspirate, practical inspiration. And afterwards, the feedback, even on LinkedIn, people are still messaging me and, you know, commenting. That sounds awesome. Is it, will it be published anywhere, do you think, the video? Yes, yes, yes. The video should be coming out very soon. So yeah, once that's there, I'll be sharing the link. Awesome. And we'll, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll put in all the uh, links to uh, your site and all that sort of stuff on the show notes afterwards. Ani, uh, this has been really, really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Richard. And uh, keep up the uh, wonderful, distinctive talks. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with Vox Gig podcast. 
You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgeek.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, and one you can also learn. Visit voxgig.com slash speakers to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email me, richard at voxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check out our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this podcast possible. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.